0: Nine weeks. It's a long time. It's good to see you today. Thank you for being here. It's good to see some, some folks that I haven't seen, and it's hope to get to know you personally. But we thank you for coming. We need prayer. Our nation needs prayer, so I encourage you to be part of the National Day of Prayer. If you're not able to meet downtown, and I hope you will be because this is sponsored by DMIP, Durham Ministers in Prayer. And uh, we really look forward to that church after church after church. Ministry after after ministry is going to be meeting downtown. It's one thing to pray individually. It's one thing to pray as a church. It's something else to pray as a city. And we're not only praying as a city, but we're praying nationally because uh, all over the United States, people, millions will be gathered for that day of prayer. That day has been set aside. How many of you know our nation needs prayer? It's a good time to pray, so we encourage you to be part of that, if you will. I want to thank the staff and the leadership of this church, especially Larry Smith, that filled this pulpit. So well. uh, In my absence, most of you know that I had back surgery. Then I foolishly stepped out, stepped out the back door and broke my ankle. And so I had a double whammy to overcome and get ready for that. I want to thank my wife, uh, who patiently, patiently looked after me, helped me get dressed, and whatever I needed, she did that. My son, he—I don't know what I would have done without Neil. He was so wonderfully looked after me. So I appreciate that so very much. If you do not have an outline of the sermon, I hope you, I hope there's someone to give these out. I don't see any, yeah. Uh, I, I want you to have one. Last week, last Sunday, uh, he's got it. Uh, Thank you, Neil, so much. Uh, Larry Smith, of course, the resurrection, preached a wonderful resurrection, resurrected sermon on how you and I can experience victory experience victory through and by the resurrection. Most of you know that recorded in the Bible is person after person after person that experience meeting with the resurrected Christ. How would you like to do that? Of course, you have Mary Magdalene and the disciples and all of them. And then Paul, right into the church at Corinth, talked about how 500 or more gathered together and so time, hundreds of people met, met with the resurrected Christ. What I'd like to do this morning is take us on a journey and meet two of the people that met with the resurrected Christ, how it affected their lives, the before and after. And there could not be a greater contrast between two people than these two people. And of course one is the Apostle Paul and the other is uh, John. Of course this John that we're talking about uh, was a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was called by the Lord from his dad's uh, business on the seashore. And for three and a half years he walked with Jesus Christ. And... A very, very close disciple of the Lord. This John, there were several Johns. This John wrote St. John, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. Let me begin by uh, talking about, first of all, the man Paul. I was hoping Brother David Smith would be here today because I wanted to mention. Uh, he and I started pa- uh, preaching about the same time. I'm older than he is, but I uh, uh, maybe started preaching before he st- started preaching. And But wh- when he came on the scene, he was a preacher. David Smith was a preacher. And one of his topics that he often spoke on was Paul. And no one could paint a picture of Paul in his writings like David Smith. And uh, so... Let me let me tell you a little bit about Paul, okay? Let's read a little bit, and then I'll talk. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any, 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 any who were of the way or followers of Christ, whether men or women. I mean, this was a ruthless man that had a lot of hate, bitterness in his heart towards believers that he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Now, let me tell you just a little bit about Damascus. Damascus is in Syria today. But Damascus at that time and still was 135 miles from Jerusalem. It is the oldest city, the oldest city of continuous living in a city. Wow. So he's traveling 135 miles and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. Now can you imagine this man He was a Pharisee, which was a religious sect. They adhered to the law vehemently. And the Apostle Paul, even with his own writing, said that he was the best of Pharisees. I mean, this man was well-educated. In fact, it's recorded in the Bible, the university and the professor that taught him was Gamaliel. He knew about the law. He could quote the law. But he hated believers, Christians. He hated them so much until he went to the high priest and received uh, letters and information that he could go and have them arrested and brought back to Jerusalem. And the person he hated so much was Jesus. He did not believe in Jesus. He did not believe that this man that they taught about rose again and he was trying to stamp out everything he could about this man, Jesus. Let me tell you, if you have a coworker or someone that does not appreciate you for your stand for Jesus, let me tell you who they hate worse than you. They hate the one that you're serving. That is true, and that's who the apostle Paul hated. But can you imagine Paul that says, "Who are you?" And he says, "I'm Jesus." Huh? This is the one that he was persecuting his followers, and Jesus said, "Oh." Uh, I am Jesus whom you are persecuted. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Other words, they had goads that they would punch and move the cattle and the sheep and, and animals on. And they would do that to get them moving. And here Paul is being pricked and punched by God Almighty himself. And he said, let me tell you, Paul, it's hard to kick, one writer says, against the pricks. So he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And the man who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, seeing no one. Verse 8. Then Paul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were open, when his eyes were open, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into the city, Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, neither eating or drinking. There was a man by the name of Judas. That Paul went to his house to stay. They led him there. He was blind. He could not see. There was another prophet in the city by the name of Ananias. Oh, help me! That he spoke. God spoke to him. Ananias. I'm sorry. And the Lord said to Ananias, Ananias, I want you to go see a man by the name of Saul, and I want you to pray for him. Lord, isn't he the one that was putting Christians in prison? And in fact, he was even there when Stephen was stoned and he consented to it. And you're asking me now to go where he is? God said, yeah, I've got some things I want him to do, and I want you to go lay your hands on him and pray for him, that he might be healed, that he might receive his sight. So finally he went. He consented and he went to the house of Judas. And there he met the, the, the Paul, which at that time his name was Saul. His name was changed. There is nowhere in the scripture where it says, not even in Luke's writing to the Acts of anything, that said his name was changed. But Luke began in Acts to call him Paul. And so he met Saul there in Damascus. And he laid his hands on him. And God healed him. Those scales that were on his eyes fell. Not only did God heal him, but he filled him with the Holy Ghost. Somebody stop me. He filled him with the Holy Ghost. And so the Apostle Paul was healed and filled, and then he could see. Later on, he went to Arabia, and there he spent, I think, about three years in training, and then he later on went to Jerusalem to meet with the apostles of Jesus Christ. There never was a man like the apostle Paul. Paul's dramatic conversion is considered, listen to this statement, Paul's dramatic conversion is considered by many to be one of the two proofs of the validity of the Christian religion, the other being the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, what an occasion. He was such a well-learned man, and he became as much for Jesus as he was against him. And most of us have studied the life and the writings and the testimonies of the Apostle Paul. This occasion was so important that it's mentioned three times in the book of Acts. This occasion where Paul, can you imagine Paul riding that stead? I got a feeling he had one of the prettiest black horses you could find. He was proudful. He was arrogant. He had power, power, to go have these believers arrested, brought back to Jerusalem, put in prison. And yet God Almighty touched the light of the Apostle Paul, knocked him off of that proud horse, knocked him to the ground, blinded him. Then Paul said, what would you have me to do, Lord? I love that story. I love that story. Someone wrote this. Listen, there is no sin too bad, no evil too wicked that can prevent us from receiving the grace of God. It didn't matter how bad he was. didn't matter how evil the apostle Paul was. God changed his life. He met Jesus on the way to Damascus. What a story. What an encounter with the very one that he was fighting against, that he was so. I mean, God changed him from A to Z. God changed him considerably, considerably, and made him a different person. Let me tell you today, I don't care how evil a person is. You may have someone, a loved one, you may have someone that's just evil. Someone that's just so bad Listen at me. You wonder how they could be saved. I mean, how could this person change so? Over the years that Carol and I have been pastoring, 53 years pastoring the church, over the years we've been pastoring, we've seen person after person after person after person changed. We held revivals down east about 10, 15 churches that we would go whole revivals each year to. And we had revival. When I say we had revival, I mean people's lives were changed. Husbands, wives. We were, we were in New North Carolina, down at the coast. I'd pre- finished preaching. I was standing at the back of the church shaking, shaking hands. There was an elderly lady, lady came. Standing beside of her was her husband. She introduced herself to me and she introduced her husband to me. I forget today, because it's been so long ago, how many years, Dan, that that that, that wife prayed for that husband. She prayed for him year after year after year. And yet it seemed like nothing would happen. And yet one day he met Jesus on his Damascus Road. I don't care where you have to meet Jesus. (laughs) I don't care what you've done. How evil and wrong and far away from God. And that's what I think about people today that are so evil. You can think of the most evil person in the world. Can they ever be saved? Can they ever be changed? Yes. If God can change the apostle Paul, he can change you and your loved ones today. Your children, Lord, I've prayed for them for years. Your grandchildren, can anything happen? You believe me, they can be changed. John. I told you a little bit about John earlier. As I said, John was a disciple of Jesus Christ. As I said, John wrote St. John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And he's writing the book of Revelation. My wife and I, back in 1997, 1997, stood on the banks of what is known as Turkey. And we looked across about 30 miles. There was an island over there. And it was called, or it's called, it is called, the Island of Patmos. Patmos. It was a, the Isle of Prison. This is where the Roman soldiers would isolate people And that was their prison. History tells us that John, before he, and by the way, he's on this island. He's 99 years old. And he's on this island. But before they isolated him, they thought they had really done away with him. Before they isolated him, they they put him in boiling oil. It didn't kill him. He miraculously lived. They scratched their head and wondered, what are we going to do with this man? He, he preached the gospel. He, he was a very great example of disciple. What are we going to do with him? Take and ship him off to Patmos. That'll do him, man. He won't be effective. John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Let me tell you, if God is for you, ain't nobody can be against you. If God's hand is on your life, no one can touch your life. And until God gets through with you, you're safe. And then when he's through with you, he's going to call you home. But here he is on the Isle of Pappas, wrote one of the greatest writings of any writer. And here's what he said in the first chapter of the book of Revelation, beginning with verse 9. John, I, John, your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the aisle that is called Patmos. Why was he there? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. When you have a sovereign appointment, when you go out to witness, when you work for God, and no matter what you're doing, no matter what your job is, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're working for the Lord. And he says here, that I was there for the word of God and the testimony. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as a trumpet. The trumpet is one of the loudest horns that you can blow. What was the pastor that blowed the horn that come to visit with us several times? And he He was a horn blower. Huh? Well, Phil Driscoll is one of the greatest trumpet players, but this was a preacher. But anyway, what he would do before you would introduce him, he would stand at the back and you just wait. So his introduction was to blow that trumpet starting down the aisle. I mean, your hair would almost stand on your head. Huh? Jerry Goff. And so the Apostle John says, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. Let me say this before I continue on here. There was someone else that became head of Rome. They released John from the Isle of Patmos. They took him from the Isle of Patmos. So these seven books to the seven churches of Asia Minor was able to be taken to them. I thought that was so interesting. How are you going to get these writings To these churches, seven churches, how are you going to get them there? God's going to put head of Rome, a man that's going to release John from the Isle of Patmos. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to the last one, Laodicea. When we were there in Turkey, we went to every one of these church churches, and seven of us ministers on the bus was to preach at each one of these places. And it fell my lot to preach there in Turkey on the Church of Laodicea, the lukewarm church. <laughs> what, wow! And and and. I, I think about that today, and I think that's the age that we're living in, is the, Leon, the Laodicean church. Then I turn, and here he goes. I love this. Then I turn to see the voice that spoke to me, and having turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks or lampstands. Now listen what it says about these. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one... Like the Son of Man. You may not see him standing here today. You may not feel his presence today. Brother Matt, you couldn't have picked any more wonderful songs to go along with this. And how did Isaiah said, I saw him. High and lifted up. And he's trained to fill the temple. God, I want that encounter with Jesus. I want that encounter with Jesus. Whether it's on the way to Damascus, or whether it's on the Isle of Patmos, whether it's someone that's far away from God, like Saul or Paul, or someone like John that lay in his breast, or lay on his breast. I want to have that encounter. And he was in the middle of the the lampstands, notice this, and in the midst of the seven lampstands. These lampstands represented the seven churches. And our Savior and every one of these churches was standing in the midst. It's interesting to know that No matter which church it was, Jesus was standing in the midst. And then when you find Laodicea, he's not standing in the midst of Laodicea. He's on the outside knocking at the door and for the modern church today and for religion today that won't let him in they may teach you whatever concerning the word of God but let me tell you what it must be alive it must be real in our lives Jesus was standing on the outside knocking at the door and he said if you'll open up I'll come in and I'll sup with you. One like the Son of Man, clothed the garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. And here John is on this isolated island. Prison. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes like a flame of fire. And his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. And his voice as a sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, John said, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his hand on me and said to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives. Listen at me. Listen at me. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive. For more, Amen. I've got the keys to Hades and death. In other words, I've got the keys to hell and death. Write these things which you have seen and the things which are and the things that will take place. John, as I said, when he was a disciple of Jesus Christ, he was one of his closest disciples. Even to the point when he went to several places, he did not take the whole 12. He took Peter, James, James being his brother, John's brother, James and John. And he had such a relationship with God. In fact, when he wrote his epistle, he said, John, whom Jesus loved. So he had been close to the Lord. He had even seen him transformed before his eyes. He and Peter and James was on the the, the the mountain and there Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Jesus Christ, which they were with for three and a half years, was changed. And he was standing with the prophets of old. Transformed. So he'd seen him. He'd been with him for three and a half years. It had been snatched, not spent 60 years since the, Death of Jesus, 60 years. But he has this encounter, this vision, seeing Jesus Christ, and after he saw him in all of his glory, you see, John, John is seeing the Savior in a different light than what he did when he was on this earth in, 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 in person, Jesus and he couldn't take it. He was so overwhelmed. In fact, the song, Brother Matt, that y'all sing, the writer said, I trembled. I trembled. Listen at me. He trembled. And now he's seeing him, Jesus, in a different light than what he did the whole three and a half years that is with him on the earth. The resurrection of Christ. Powerful message, Brother Larry. Wonderful thought. Wonderful happening. The greatest thing that's ever happened in the world. Of course, the birth of Christ was great. And yet, my friend, here, the Apostle Paul, John the Apostle, gets to see Christ in a different way. Paul saw him knocked off of his horse. Paul saw him in all of his wrong and evil and hard heart. God humbled him. and He made the greatest writer that ever wrote the scripture. I mean, Paul was some kind of apostle. John saw him as his disciple, but now sees him in a different light. You might see Jesus in one way. You may be acquainted with him in one way, but I pray this morning as Brother Matt and them come, I hope every one of us will see him in the light that he wants us to see him. I want my friend, I want my friend to introduce you. Listen at me, listen. I want to introduce you to this Jesus. That knocked Paul off of his horse and that John said, when I saw him, I trembled and fell at his feet. But then John says, he laid his hand on me. And he said, if you're not, don't be afraid. Let me tell you something this morning. I want every one of us this morning in some nature, the way that God wants to speak to you. Listen, open your heart and let Jesus speak to you. Paul wasn't a believer. He was a believer hater. John was a believer. I don't know where you are. You may end up being an unbeliever. I don't know where you are. But experience today an encounter. Jesus Christ if I've ever had an angel to visit me it was twice I lived on Ross Road and we were holding revivals and preaching at churches I thought I had the world by the tail oh I love God God was moving we had powerful ministries But my brother and I were very close, very close. Junior served the Lord for seven years, sung in the choir, attended church, was my right hand man. He was my brother. Just three months separated our births. No, I'm kidding. I'm wrong. Let me back off of that one. We were we were close. Junior's backslid and became an alcoholic. It burdened me so much until I couldn't carry it. And I would cry and I would pray. I couldn't stand the thoughts of my brother dying and going to hell. And I could take time I want this morning and tell you story after story how the devil tried to take his life. And he came within inches of taking his life. But I'll never forget, I'll never forget that I was lying in my bed, and the windows were over our bed that particular time. Tears were flowing down my face. And I had such a burden. I could. I said, "God, I can't carry this burden." I said, "I can't carry it and be the effective in ministry." And all of a sudden, something and I felt like it was an angel came through that window and sat on my bed and lifted that burden. I never had it again. Did I have a burden for my brother? Yes. Did I pray for him? Yes. Did I believe he was coming in? Yes, but it was, I was never under that burden. Let me tell you, let God visit you this morning. If you're a burden, let him, let him visit you this morning and let him live. The other time, I believe that God sent an angel. We live where we are now. It was three years ago when the doctors told me at Duke Hospital that I had three months to live. i had been had cancer on and off for 20 years. But I had three months to live. I don't know how you would feel if the doctors would tell you you've got three months to live. It's not a good feeling. Did I have fear? Yes. It hit me hard. And especially at night. I would lie awake at night. But one night, one night, I said, God, I can't take this. I can't carry this burden. And nothing but an angel came in my room. Reached his hand down. Took that burden off of my heart. And I've never, Had it again. I've been totally free from that thing. Have your encounter with Jesus Christ. Sing it for us, guys.